Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. And uh, we're going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter number 17. 1 Samuel chapter number 17, beginning in verse number 33. 1 Samuel 17 and 33. And we believe that God is going to do great, great things tonight. If you're there, say amen. If you're just going to watch it on the wall behind me, say amen. First Samuel 17, 33. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion. Somebody say lion. And a bear. Somebody say bear. And took a lamb out of the flock, and I went out after him. And smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. And now one more portion of scripture, if you would. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse number 5. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 5. It says, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. But verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou... When thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So tonight, I want to talk to us for a little while, and I hope God helps us in this place because he's able to do anything that we need him to do. And the title of this message is, is the power of hidden victories. The power of hidden victories. If you would, lay your Bibles down. Would you just lift your hands one more time? Ask God to help us. Sound man, if I can get as much monitor as possible uh, without messing everything up from the start, that'll help me out in the long run. And uh, we're going to believe that God is going to do great things tonight. Let's, let's pray, God. We thank you, Lord, for your presence, your spirit. God, minister in this house. God, we believe it. Tonight, you're going to do great things in Jesus' name. And somebody say amen. Let's clap into the Lord. <laughs> Young people, thank you so much for helping me tonight and, and moving and, and getting in here and getting involved. And everybody may be seated.
when we enter into our closet and pray in secret, our Father will reward us openly, Brother Jones. The world may not work this way, but this is how God works. The scripture tells us that the first shall be last, and the last shall be first, and that whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. This is the way it works in God's kingdom. And this principle is the first thing that we need to understand tonight to hopefully bring some clarity to the rest of these comments that I'll be bringing to you before we're finished. In the first portion of the text that we read tonight, the scripture begins out and tells us a story that many of us are familiar with tonight. If you are not familiar with it, I don't mean to make you feel bad. There was a time when I wasn't real familiar with these scriptures. It might be something that you want to go home and investigate on more tonight, that you want to read about. It might be enough to inspire you. But the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17 begins with the Philistines who were gathered together. They gathered their armies to battle and were together at Shoko. And the scripture tells us that King Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And it also tells us that there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath. The scripture tells us that his height was six cubits in a span. He was possibly up to nine feet tall that this giant stood. Scripture tells us that he had a helmet of brass upon his head, that he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. The staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. This was an imposing figure. This was someone that you would notice. This was someone of great stature. This is someone that you would take attention of if he was standing around. And he not only stepped out of the camp of the Philistines, but he stood and began to cry unto the armies of Israel and said unto them this. He said, choose you a man and let him come down to me. Choose a man and send him down. And he went on to say that if he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall you be our servants and serve us. Give me a man that we may fight together. And the scripture tells us in so many words that King Saul and that the men of Israel were literally terrified. Look at your neighbor, neighbor and say they were scared. They were scared. This guy had their attention and they were scared. Bible tells us that Goliath came out morning and evening for 40 days 
challenging Israel. Stepping out and asking them, send me a man. Send me somebody that will compete against me. The Bible also tells us that while these things were happening, that there were three sons of Jesse that had followed along with King Saul and the rest of Israel and were there hearing threats from Goliath. The three oldest sons of Jesse were there. But there was another son, the youngest son of Jesse, whose name was David, who was in Bethlehem keeping his father's sheep. Just condensing this down for the sake of us going through this story tonight and making it simple to understand, we know that Jesse asked David, his son, if he would go out to the battle, if he would go out to where these two armies were gathered on each side of this valley. On one side, you had the Philistines. On the other side, you had the army of Israel. And he asked, he said, David, would you go out and check on your brothers? Would you make sure they're okay? And would you take some food to them? We won't be so specific tonight to go into the scripture about the type of food that he carried, but it's there. This is something that happened. This was an event that took place. This was David gathering these things to go do exactly what his father asked him to do. But also in chapter number 17, beginning about verse number 20, and we don't have to put this up there. I'm going to be skipping around. It says that David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. Tells us that David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. So basically, Goliath stepped out to do his daily routine that he had done, the daily routine that he was doing every day for 40 days, that he stepped out and he was saying, I want you to send me a man. Except on this day, it was going to be a little bit different. Because this young shepherd boy named David, going there to check on his older brothers, to take some food to them, and to find out how they were doing, to check on their well-being, was standing there when Goliath came out. And the scripture tells us in verse number 23 that David heard them. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, David heard what he said. That's a key thing to this message tonight, because David heard what Goliath said. And it tells us, Again, that all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. So I want you to understand that this little shepherd boy named David, and we don't know his exact age, but we can gather from the scripture and from studying that he was somewhere, and you may have different opinions, and Brother Jones will probably tell you his exact age, but what they say is he was around 16 to 20 years old is what I'm reading. If I'm wrong, you can, you can straighten me out on that later. But anyway, he was, he was a young man. And he was a man that was there um, on a mission simply because his father had sent him, but has now caught himself in the middle of something else going on. He's caught himself, Brother Paul, in the middle of these soldiers who are now scared of this opposition that is coming to them from this giant named Goliath. And the scripture says that they fled from him and they were sore afraid. 
Skipping to verse number 26, David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, we've heard this so much for some of us, it's just kind of lost its, it's lost its edge for us. It's something we've just heard so many times. But it tells us that Eliab, his elder brother, when he heard what was spoken to the men, that Eliab, was, his anger was kindled against David. And he asked him, he said, why did you come down here? Now, that's not the King James wording. But he looked at him and he said, why did you come down here? And, and, and who did you leave those sheep with in the wilderness? And he looked at young David and he said, I know thy pride and I know the naughtiness of thy heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest just see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? In other words, what have I done by asking a question like this? What have I done by inquiring? And David looked at him, a soldier there with Israel for King Saul, and he asked him a question. He said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And so it tells us that he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. So if we could say it like this, there were a bunch of older guys standing around that were scared, and there was this young guy looking around, and he was saying, I don't know what you're scared of. I don't know what the problem is here. And it tells us that when the words were heard by which David spoke, that they went and rehearsed them before King Saul, and King Saul sent for him. King Saul wanted to know who it was. He wanted to know what was being said, and so he asked for David to come. And we can picture this, of David walking in before King Saul, and it tells us that David said unto Saul this. He said, let no man's heart fail because of him. This young guy walked in and he said, you don't let anybody's heart be scared about what's going on because he said, your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And in the text we read tonight, David said, or Saul said to David, he said, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for thou art but a youth. Somebody say youth. He was saying, you're not able because you're just a youth. And this man, this Goliath, this giant, he is a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, this answer, he said, thy servant kept his father. Now, this is what I want you to listen to tonight, okay? If you want to, this is the good part that we're getting to. He said, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear. And took a lamb out of the flock. Now, if you're listening to what I just said, it's saying that David was there watching his father's sheep. And while he was watching his father's sheep, I don't know, it may have been nighttime. It may have been when David turned his back. It may have been when David was doing something else or David was trying to get something to eat. But all of a sudden, a lion slipped in, a bear came in, and they took a lamb out of the flock. This flock that David was responsible for. This flock that David was there to care for. And he tells in verse number 35 that we read in our text tonight that David said, I went out after him and I smote him and I delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I called him by his beard and I smote him and I slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear 
and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. And so this was a young boy named David who was telling King Saul basically the way that it was going to go down. This is the way that it is. And this is exactly what took place in my life. In verse 37 that David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. He didn't say he might deliver me. He didn't say he could deliver me. He didn't say it's possible for him to deliver me. But he said he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. Now, we're not going to get into all this stuff right now because there's some other things that transpired, Brother Edwin. It's good to see you. There's some things that transpired. There's some things that took place. And in this situation, we, we, we could go a little more in depth, but the Bible goes on to tell us that Saul sent David. And basically what happened next is, is that David wound up taking his sling. He wound up taking five smooth stones, and he killed the giant Goliath. It says that he killed him. Verse 51 said, Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. But the question that I have for you today is why? Somebody say why. Why would a youth, maybe 16, 20 years old, Maybe he was younger, maybe he was 12, 13, 14. Maybe he was older, maybe he was 21, 22 years old. But why would this young guy, this youth, walk into the tent of the king and sign up for this? You had these men who were warriors, they were soldiers, they were men uh, uh, for the army of Israel, and yet they would not go in, and they would not go against Goliath, but yet this young guy walked in, and he signed up to take on this champion that had mocked them for 40 days. And perhaps it's because that he knew something that they didn't know. Some things had happened out in the fields while he was tending the flock. Some things had happened out there when nobody was around that they hadn't seen. Nobody was there to see it. Nobody was there to witness it. Nobody was there to watch the lion come walking in and to watch the bear come walking in. Nobody was there to see them walk up and grab the sheep and begin to make their way out of the pasture when I'm sure David dropped what he was doing and he began to run after it and he began to chase this lion down. Nobody saw it, but David had seen it and David had been there and David had lived it. I'm going to ask a question. Can I get any young people to confirm that they know what it's like? Any young people in this house, do you know what it's like to be all alone when the lion comes in? Do you know what it's like to be all alone when the lion comes in and the adversary comes in? You may not have had to fight a physical lion like David had to fight. And you may not have had to fight a bear like David had to fight. But you have fought temptation. You have fought the pull of the world. You have fought things that you didn't understand. It may not have been a bear that came up in your room, but there was something that came up in there and caused you a sleepless night and caused you to fret and caused you to stress and caused you to worry. 
and you begin to fight with that lion and you begin to fight with that bear. Just like David did. The question tonight is, is how much does God love us? How much does he love us? I'm going to tell you how much God loves us tonight. There is no limit on his love for us. I'm going to take my tie off. I hope you all forgive me. Pastor, if you're watching, I am sorry. This fat neck is driving me crazy. I put on my suit when they got him in the cleaners, and I said, I think they gave me somebody else's suit tonight. I bent over to tie my shoes, and I thought I was going to split the back. Young people, you'll understand about that one day, too. There is no limit for his love for us. He loves us so much that he doesn't always remove the challenges in our life. That's how much he loves us. You know, a good father does not remove the challenges from the life of their child. We love them, but we love them so much that we're not going to remove every challenge from their life. And he loves us enough that he's not going to remove those challenges. The reason why is because a father knows that it takes those obstacles that we face in our life to grow. It takes those obstacles that we face for us to mature and for us to grow. We would never remove our children out of all their problems. This would be harmful to them. If you don't believe this, you find a young person that's, that's, that's gotten off the tracks and has gotten into addiction, you find somebody that's an enabler and you'll see the negative aspect of removing them from all their problems. Somebody's seen this and you can say amen. This is harmful for them. But we know that they must learn to work through these problems alone in order to grow. Of course, we would walk with them, we would assist them, and we would help them in any way possible. But it's because it is our growth or their growth that we are concerned about. I've often heard it said about God that maybe he's not so interested in what we go through as bad as that sounds, is how we turn out because of what we go through. And just like David, hidden away from sight, killing the lion and the bear, you can find yourself alone with no one watching. And during those times of no one watching, and during those battles that you experienced that nobody knew about, you defeated the spiritual lions and bears that were trying to steal things from you. During those times, we asked the question, why? Why does it seem like I have to always fight these things? Why is there always something trying to steal the joy that I have? There's nothing worse than coming in and getting a good blessing and an apostolic service and, and, and the music being right and the preaching being right. And, and, and I don't even, I hadn't even talked to any of you about it. I know you had some great youth services last week, but I know what happens in those youth services. You go get fired up about what God's going to do, and you walk out of there, and it seems like all hell will break loose in your life. And it seems like everything is trying to steal that blessing that you got. It seems like everything is after that thing that you professed and that thing that you got. 
Being a teenager and especially maybe moving up into the college or hyphen age can sometimes feel like it's the loneliest time of your life. You may say, well, I've got friends at church. I know people at school. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But there are moments that it can seem like it is the loneliest time of your life. For the rest of us in here, we can say amen to that. We understand what it was like to go through that season of loneliness and that season of trying to find ourselves and that season of reaching out and trying to, trying to find the direction of what was going to happen in our life. I'm going to tell you tonight why God allowed the enemy to come after David when he was hidden away from everybody else. I'm going to let you know tonight why God allowed the enemy to come in and, and, and come in and, and you would think someone that had a heart like he had, a heart like David, that, that God wouldn't allow the lion to come after him, that God wouldn't allow the bear to come after him. You would think with some of these young people and some others under the sound of my voice that all we're trying to do is live right, all we're trying to do is the right things, and why would we go through the things that we go through? I'm going to tell you why it happened. Because in the life of David, he was trying to make a giant killer. Somebody say giant killer. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 33, it tells us that Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Now, this is the New International Version. But 34 said, David said unto Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. He was making him in to a giant killer. And there are people under the sound of my voice that have great, great spiritual desires so great as spiritual desires and I may not be talking to strictly young people when I say this but so great as spiritual desires that it would embarrass you to open your mouth and tell someone else what it is that you desire because in your life that desire and that thing that you believe that God ultimately wants to do for you has become so large and it's become something in your life that has almost become something of a giant that you have to conquer. It's some of a situation where this giant, that these God-inspired goals and these callings that you desperately want, that they're there. But in order to get them, it's like we have to find this place where we can become spiritual enough, where we can become good enough maybe, if that's the word I'm looking for, or we can find that right vein to get into and see those things happen in our life. But for many of us in here, we know and we understand that it can be so frustrating, so frustrating when you have such big desires, such big things that you want, that you're looking forward to. Brother Paul, those things that some of us have that, that, that we know what God said to us, this giant, this thing that we want to conquer, that we want to go out and, and claim it and take it and, and be blessed, and, but yet... In the process of that, it seems like when we're trying to get there, we just keep tripping over our own feet. We've got this person that we want to become. We've got this person that we want to be, that we believe God wants us to be. 
But yet, you can find yourself in this routine of simply just tripping and stumbling along and finding yourself that you'll never make it to be that person because every time that you get your mind set that that's what you're going to do, then all of a sudden, you have to fight this. And all of a sudden, you get your mind set to this is the person that I'm going to be. Then there's something else. There's another lion or a bear that begins to raise its head up in your life, and you have to fight with it again. And we have these spiritual desires and these spiritual wants and these spiritual things that aren't just something that we dreamed up, but there's something that we believe God gave us, God-inspired things, God-inspired visions. But yet in the process of trying to reach after that God-inspired vision, it seemed like we just can't stop stumbling over all the little things. And we ask ourselves, will I ever be able to obtain that? Will I ever attain that place? Will I ever make it? Because when I should be going after these big dreams and desires that God has given me, then we find ourselves alone in the dark one more time, fighting the battle with the lion and the bear. Walking in, trying to steal something from us that God has blessed us with. A continual process that we face. Something that we deal with. And it's, it's human nature because it's just something that's going to happen. And it's human nature because, again, our Heavenly Father is going to allow those things to come into our life because He does not want to see you live in a state where you do not grow and you do not bless, but instead He wants to see you overcome. That you're always alone, something trying to steal from you. And I have news for you tonight. That even though the adversary has tried to kill, that he's tried to steal, and that he's tried to destroy. And there are names that I could call tonight that I can see this in my mind just as plain as day. Because I know that you put on a good smile and you made it seem like it's okay when it wasn't okay. But I'm here to tell you that in that process, in that process of time, and those things that you have dealt with, even though the adversary has tried to kill, that he's tried to steal, that he's tried to destroy, I want you to say something right now. I want you to look and say, I'm still here, devil. Somebody is confused over the way you feel, but I'm here to tell you tonight that God is going to make a giant killer out of you if you can continue on. Because the scripture told us what? In the book of Matthew, it told us that it's the secret victories or the hidden victories. It's those things that are in secret that God is going to reward openly. The lion and the bear weren't placed there to destroy David. Believe it or not, when David was slinging that lion around by the beard and trying to cast it out of the field, they were not there to destroy him, but they were there so they could, and they were placed there so they could build David's faith in God. You may not have passed your test as good as you wanted. But I'm here to tell you that you passed it, and because you passed it, that God has showed you that he's real. Could somebody say amen? When you're 15 years old, 20 years old, 22 years old, it's hard to understand that you can pass a test and not really want to pass it the way that you'd like to pass it. But I'm here to tell you, when you become 45 and you become 46 and you become 50, Brother Edwin, there's a time that we just say, thank God that I just made it through. It may not have been pretty and it may not have looked good, but I'm here to tell you that I made it through to the other side and I passed the test. 
It may not have looked like you wanted it to. And there may have been some days that you said, you know what, I don't think I can make it. And some days that you said, I don't think I can defeat this lion. And I don't think I can defeat this bear. But you made it. Because they were placed there to build faith in God. And instead of letting those private battles cause you to hold your head down and not accept your callings, let those private victories be the catalyst to say that if God helped me defeat anything, if God helped me defeat addiction, then he can give me a ministry. If God helped me defeat pornography, then he can give me a ministry. Then if God helped me defeat bad feelings towards somebody in my family, then he can help give me a ministry. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. The things that you don't want to talk about. The things that you carry in there when nobody was around. The lion and the bear and the things that you dealt with that you thought were going to kill you, but you made it. Somebody say, I made it. Say, if God helped me defeat what was meant to destroy me, he will help me when I stand up for him against the giants in this world. God wants someone to become a giant killer tonight. He wants you to become a giant killer. Those things that were placed in your life. The things that were placed there that you thought were there to take you out. Was God dropping things in there to say, I'm going to make you strong. The things that God has put to show our frailty and our humanity. And, and I'm going to tell you, there's something about learning to lean on God. When David went in and faced Goliath, David did not go in there and say, it's because I'm so good and I'm so tough and it's my own power that I'm going to feed this giant. But he knew that God was with him because God had been there through the small battles, through those small victories. And he knew that in those hidden times, the things that God had showed him, he was not going to let him down. And now God's waiting on some people. To step out and say, you know what? I'm more than a conqueror. He's waiting on some people to stand out and say, you know what? My testimony may not be the way I want it to be. It may not be the way I want it to be. If we just sit down and wrote our testimony, this may not have been the way we would have wanted it to turn out. But the way it turned out was the way God showed us that he could help us through anything. It's the way God put it in our heart to say, you know what? If I walk with you through this and I walk with you through that, I'm going to help you be a giant killer. And it would be something if we raised up some giant killers here in Sanctuary Community Church that said, you know what, devil? You didn't get me. You didn't take me out. You couldn't do it. But I'm still here. And God has shown me what he could do in my life. Somebody clapping to him right now. To kill giants. You know what a giant killer does? When you're not perfect. That's when you're not perfect and you know everything hadn't gone the way that you wanted it to go. But you come in on Sunday and Pastor Britt walks in the prayer room, and he looks around, and you walk behind him, and you say, Pastor, let's go kill some giants today. 
You know what it is? It's on a Sunday when Sister Lindsay's up here leading worship and the worship team is putting their heart out and we're teeter-tottering on that place where the service can just blow the lid off that place that somebody can step out and say, you know what, God, you showed yourself faithful through every battle I've ever been through and I'm going to step out and believe that whatever it is I'm going through right now, whatever it is I'm facing, that I am a giant killer and I'm going to step out and we're going to see this thing go. And God, you're going to move. And you're going to work in my life because you've never, never let me down. And the things that I thought were there to destroy me were not there to destroy me. But they were there to see me through and to see me move. I wonder, could you close your eyes and lift your hands all over this house right now? We're not finished, but I just want you to close your eyes, lift your hands, and somebody pray and ask God to move and help in this place right now. I still have a while, but I wonder if if, uh, Brother Christian could come to the keys at least. Don't let me scare you when I said I got a while, okay? I saw some eyes. Get... I'm just kidding. A giant killer. The title of the message is The Power of Hidden Victories. The Power of Hidden Victories. The victories that nobody saw. The victories that I had to face when I was all alone and I was battling, trying to get a hold of God to see him help me through. I wonder all over this house if I could just see your hand, if you ever believe that God has given you a private victory tonight, could I see your hand? I might have mentioned it already, I did mention it, but, but, but I want to say it again, look. I'm going to be honest here. We live in a generation that is so social media driven and so and so connected that that we you know we we heard this a few we heard this a few days ago for all of us that were here in the marriage retreat, but I'm going to tell you. I mean, this thing right here, I mean, you talk about a devil right here. I mean, you talk about a devil for somebody before they realize it. You talk about you talk about the traps that we get involved in. You talk about the things that we deal with in this time. And you talk about the things that somebody can have on their mind sitting here grasping and trying to figure out how in the world they could be facing the things that they're facing. And how they could be dealing with the things that they're dealing with. But it's in those times. It's in those times of loneliness. It's in those times, Dakota, when it does not make sense when you feel like a failure you know I wasn't always raised in church I came from the world I remember coming in 22 years old We got married really young. I remember walking into those services. Pure heart. Man, I mean, you walk into this thing, you've never been around Pentecost, God does something to you. I remember being in there and a young guy, first church service we were in. Young guy was in his early 20s. Pastor got up. He brought him up. He said, brother so-and-so, he said, he's felt his call in the ministry got him up to testify man I'd been feeling all kind of crazy stuff since I got in church I 
I didn't know what God was wanting me to do, but I was feeling things I knew. But it was during that service, I remember it particular, because he got up and he was testifying. And I was sitting there and I hung my head down, Brother Cordova. And it's like something come to me, and it wasn't God. But it said, when he was in Sunday school, you were out getting high. Come on, is that okay? Hey, we're people. When he was in Sunday school, you were out riding the roads. You were partying. When he was learning the word, you were doing this and you were doing that. And man, I felt so bad. Because I felt like I was wasted. Just so down. It's one of those battles. To go home and wrestle. Had to wrestle through. Am I good enough? Can I do can, can we make it? God, can you do? Can you do those private things? God, I don't know if I can go back. Why can't you go back? Because I'm a failure. Why, why would you a failure? Because I should have done. Because I, because I did this. That wasn't what you wanted me to be. And this stuff goes on in our minds. And we deal with it. We deal with it. I remember what it was like. I remember what it was like. I remember what it was like to say, I wish I would have never. Anybody ever said that? I wish I would have never. I wish I would have never. I wish I had. But I'm here to tell you that it's in those times. It's in those times when you're laying there and you've got the lion and you've got the bear and you're wrestling. That God is showing you that he's more than enough for your life. And when you think it's the end. And you think it's coming apart. And you think the wheels have come off. And you think it's over. It is not over. But it's just beginning. It's God making you into a giant killer. It's God saying, no, we wish your testimony would have been different. It's God saying, no, we wish things would have just went this way and not went that way. But it's in those times that we say, you know what, God? I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm not going to let it stand in my way. But you've created a giant killer out of me because you saw me through. Because you brought me through. Because you walked with me. Because you... <laughs> Woo! A giant killer. It's a giant killer. When our past comes to us and it feels like it's got us around the throat and it feels like it won't let us go and it's in those hours that we learn the most valuable lessons that we can learn and that lesson is is that God will help you fight the lion and help you fight the bear. But the thing about it for the Paul it didn't stop there. It's not the end of it. Because there's something that happened when David learned to be the giant killer. David started impacting those around him. It wasn't just David's life that was changed forever. It wasn't just David's life that was that was turned in. It. But 2 Samuel, we don't have to put it on the screen. But 2 Samuel, it says, verse 20, in chapter 21, it tells us, Brother Jones, that moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. 
And David went down. But this time his servants went with him. And he fought against the Philistines. And it says that David waxed faint. And Ishbibianab was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight. He being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But it tells us that Abishai, the son of Zariah, secured him and smote the Philistine and killed him. And then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us into battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. But it came to pass after this, that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. And then Sebekai, the Huthanite, slew Saph, which was of the sons of the giant. Anybody counting right now? We're up to two. And there was again a battle in Go with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son slew a brother of Goliath the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And yet a battle in Gath where there was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number, and he also was born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, the brother of David, slew him. And the scripture tells us these four were born to the giants in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Do you understand that when one person says, I think I'm just going to be a giant killer, that is contagious. Dakota, it takes one person to walk in on Sunday and say, you know what? I think I'm going to be a giant killer. I want to know who's going to be a giant killer with me. And before long, people are watching and they're experiencing it. And now you've got young people in the prayer room that's lighting the prayer room on fire. And you've got young people in worship just lighting the worship on fire. And you've got the youth pastor and the youth pastor's wife coming up saying, my goodness, what, what's going on here? They're coming in and they're on fire. Because they become giant killers. He says, you know what? I'm not going to let my testimony take me out. I'm going to let my testimony. we could stand all over this house the music want to make their way to the platform we close our eyes and lift our hands all over this house I, I, I know I focused on the youth tonight and I apologize to the rest of us here family Wednesday night so what better way to see our young people fall and we have great young people here would somebody give them a hand right now right here in the altar somebody give them a hand and we have a great church right here we can give our church a hand for being a great church 
but we can have a great church. We can have a great youth group. And we can have great things happening. And we can still never tap into that place that God has called us to go. That calling that God may have placed in our life. That vision that God has given to us. But it's when we learn that if God helps us defeat the lion and the bear, that God will help us defeat those giants. We walk around and we say, what's the use? If I can't do this, I'll never do that. If I'm going to continually fight this, I'll always be there. But we serve a God that loves you so much. He wants to bring you out tonight. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. He wants to give you what it is that you want. God is not after you. God is not trying to hurt you. That's what this message is about tonight. God is not trying to hurt you. When he allows these things to come into your life, he's not trying to say, you know what, God, I love you, and you're trying to take me out. I've said that before. God, I love you. You're just trying to, what what are you doing here, God? But I'm telling you that God loves you enough that he's going to send things to stretch us and send things to grow us. And most of the time, nobody's even going to know about it. They're going to be hidden victories. But it's in those hidden victories that we become what God wants us to be. Can we close our eyes, lift our hands all over this house one more time? Could you lift your voice? And begin to ask God to move in your life tonight. Would you ask God to help you tonight? Would you ask him to change you tonight? To work on you, to work inside of us as a church body. To do something in us that says, you know what God? You've been there all alone and I believe God that you're going to take me to another level. God wants to take you to a new level, to a new place. Would you reach out to him right now? Would you begin to pray and begin to seek the face of the Lord? This altar is open if anybody feels like making your way up. If you don't, that's fine. But I encourage you, if you do, would you step out? Would you lift your hands? Would you ask God to touch you and minister you?